Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Mutt! As Private Detective Dan Williams. Everything hurts. Brian as Special Agent Jack Whiteside. You think everything hurts? I can't feel my face when I'm with you. Gabe as Special Agent Roy Arroyo. These guys are wusses. I've gone like 11 hours without a nap and they're complaining. Well, welcome players. Let's begin by checking for any letters from beyond. On Twitter, at Bill Shreve says... Just recently started listening to you guys and ended up binging up to episode 48. The commercials are hilarious and the actual play you guys do is great. The suspense you build has me over here praying for successful roles, but hoping to see what happens if you fail. Due to Roy, I am now looking for a screen door of my house. Keep up the great work, guys. That's a good fan right there. And on Facebook, Ben Sawyer says, Can't believe I haven't liked this before now. Unless I'm in an infinite loop of choosing whether to or not. Just saying, when a new ep drops, it makes my day. That's cool. Makes our day, too. We get excited. When our ep drops. Yeah. Not an episode. It means we're men now. I have EpiPens everywhere, and when I drop one... That's it. You blow up like a balloon. Nice. And Vanny and Mirha says, started listening last week. Already caught up. Love the podcast. You and Drunks and Dragons are an every week listen for me now. In the latest episode, episode 47, Puzzle Pieces, the investigators pass by Lake Pontchartrain. There's a fantastic song by Ludo about a group of friends who pass Lake Pontchartrain and see horrific things. That's my recommendo for the week. Keep up the fantastic work, fellas. Wait, can they do that? I don't know. Uh, uh, this has never happened before. What's the, what's the protocol, guys? I, I think we have to shut down. Burn everything, Margaret! Goodbye. Infringing on our recommendos. Oh, we appreciate it, actually. And we actually really, really appreciate that song. We played it uh, on the way to or from Ireland. Me and Matt remember that. That was good. Ah, uh, good times. Hey, you guys remember Ireland? Where you didn't go? And finally on Google+, Frank Delventhal regarding 50.1, The Path of the Righteous Man. Very nice, very dark. I really liked that one. Hashtag sponsor us, Google+. Hashtag not sponsored. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. Time to pay the bills. <gasps> Let's take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Well, hello, folks. Yep, it's me again, Captain Colonel Bacon. I'd like to introduce you to my latest invention, meat sweaters. Have you ever eaten so much pork, beef, or chicken that your guts are near to bursting and all your glands open up like some Stygian river, turning your once dry wardrobe into a sopping mess of useless polycotton blend? Sure you have. Happens to everyone now and again. That's why I developed a brand new fiber to combat your meat sweats. Well, truth be told, I hired a nerd. Herbert, his name was. Nice guy. A little weird. Required a lot of dead animals to experiment on for some reason. But hey, we got meat sweats out of the deal, right? Anywho, the next time you want to pig out, slip into something more comfortable. Our meat sweaters range in size from 3X to 5X. 
to accommodate most any girth. The elastic cuffs and waistband ensure all that gloriously oozing moisture stays inside, where it will be absorbed into the material like some kind of devil magic. Where does it go? Who cares? No more embarrassing stains to worry about. Now, be advised, once you put on a meat sweater, there's no taking it off. It's a small price to pay, wouldn't you agree? Don't be alarmed if your meat sweater constricts occasionally and makes growling noises in the dead of night. That's how you know it's working. Get your meat sweater at any reputable clothing store or butcher shop. And keep a lookout for meat sweatpants. Coming soon to your local jockstrap emporium. And we're back. And scene. <clears throat> now, dear investigators, we begin Chapter 7, Bloodlines. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. After a series of mysterious occurrences and encounters in Arkham, Jack, Dan, and Roy travel to Laplace, Louisiana to track down the whereabouts of the Glatmanite cult. Unfortunately... Jack is nearly killed during a late-night freeway chase with some occultists and ends up in the hospital. Dan and Roy join forces with Hubert Pretorius Loveland to continue the investigation, which leads them into the Mirapaw Swamp. With the help of Rosita, a local guide, they manage to discover the abandoned cemetery, which turns out to be festering with undead, but is also the gateway to the Glatmanite compound nearby. Gunplay ensues. Despite their best efforts, the trio is surrounded and ushered into a series of caverns. Within, the cult leader Tommy Ray attempts to use an artifact containing the spirit of Samantha Blaine to open a portal for a great old one, the Serpent Father Yig. In a last-ditch effort, Dan manages to destroy the artifact before the ritual can be completed. In doing so, he also destroys what remains of his fiancée. The investigators, gut-shot and half-insane, managed to escape back to the mainland with the help of Rosita. Dan, you awaken slowly to a bright white room filled with sunshine and tiled walls. A figure stands at your bedside. Blinking back sleepy seeds, the figure gradually resolves to become the form of your compatriot, Roy Arroyo. You're not quite sure, but it looks like he might actually be glad to see you? It's then you realize you're in a hospital bed. Why does it smell like sterile? Get your rest, idiot. Oh, hey, Roy. Hi, Dan. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be off uh, uh, marrying a screen door or something? Well, you have a hot nurse, and I've been told that there are screen doors in this hospital. Oh, yes, the infamous hospital screen door wing. You laugh, but, I mean, wilder things have happened. So, you want to address the, um... Undead elephant in the room, or should I? I know. Jack's a zombie. No, no, Jack's sister, whom he's been searching for this whole time, was one of the zombies in the room, and now all the zombies are dead. Therefore, Jack's sister is dead. Yeah, but didn't they, like, not talk for a while? I mean, I mean that wasn't his fault. She was captured and turned into a zombie, presumably, so... Yeah, that's fair. She's dead now, so peace and what have. Yeah, except for the fact that Jack is never going to find out because we're not going to tell him, are we, Roy? <laughs> I mean, if I get really mad, no promises, but I won't tell him in a calm state. 
You know what? I think that's the best I'm going to get out of you, so I'm going to take it while I can. Not to mention the drugs they have me on still have me kind of woo, so I'm just going to lay back down for a minute. All right, Dan, we got to talk about that old tunnel. You mean the one that I had Rosita fill with dynamite and boo? Yeah, there's nothing left. Yeah, well, I got some bad news. Urban explorers have moved in. That came in from the uh, from my files that I keep because I'm mysterious and I am the cliffhanger of the series that keeps people listening. Uh, they wouldn't happen to be X-Files, would they? Because I think we'd get sued if that was the case. Copyright infringement and whatnot. Triple X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually blow it up, Dan. Oh, man. It was all in your head. So there is a chance that those galactic tykes are still out there. Well, that's disappointing. I mean, I, like, set the explosives and, like, walked away without looking and everything, and it was awesome. And also, furthermore, in worse news than that, because it, it causes more pain, Rosita is missing, so I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get back there. Okay, uh, wow, that's disappointing for you, I guess. Uh, where are you going to get the really good stuff from now? Huh? I don't know. And I don't know how to deal with it. Like, I'm a little bit upset that we're not going to be able to get back there, but I'm, a, like, more upset that I have to lack out on the good stuff. I don't know. Maybe if you ask nicely, the nurse will give you some morphine. How does that work around here? Can you get some morphine and give it to me? Yeah, I'll hook the IV up to me and then hook one up to you and we'll just share. It's okay. I agree. How else are we supposed to save money? The prices here are ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, I'm not going to help pay for it, so you got to, like, give me some morphine for free. And as you finish your conversation, a man comes into the room carrying a clipboard. Despite his black lab coat and Korean harem pants, he carries the unmistakable air of a competent physician. Uh, Mr. Williams? Mr. Arroyo? Uh, I'm Dr. Kirk. Uh, glad to see your... And then his head drops to his chest. And he starts to softly snore. Hey, hey, Roy, go poke him with something. I think you're going to die, Dan. Yeah, probably. Go go poke him with a, a needle, or preferably a used one. All right, I'll walk over and I'll thump him in the head. And just as you're about ready to thump him in the head, a nurse comes in and sort of gives you a sidelong look. And she goes, uh, uh sorry, uh, uh, he has a condition? Why are you giving us a bum doctor here? he's fine. He just has a little bit of a problem. Hang on just a second. And she walks up to him and starts rubbing his earlobe and leans in and whispers something into his ear. Why don't each of you give me a listen roll? Oh, I needed a 70 and I rolled a 23. That's a hard success. I needed a 20. I got a 68. So, Dan, as you lean closer and observe this nurse rubbing his earlobe and whispers, you can quite plainly hear, she says, He lives in the eyes. He lives in the eyes. And then Dr. Kirk's eyes snap open and he smiles at you, recovering nicely. He looks down at his clipboard while the nurse slinks away with a wink. Now then, Kirk continues, tugging unconsciously at the low crotch of his pants. What do you make of this? He flips back the first page of his clipboard and reveals a strange watercolor painting about five inches by five inches, depicting a bat-winged creature looming over a baby boiling in a pan on a stove. You squint closer and see the baby has those weird eyes that follow you wherever you go. It kind of looks like a butterfly, but that might just be me. Roy, what do you see in the uh, the painting? I think that it's really impressive and it reminds me of my childhood. Right. Dr. Kirk seems sort of disappointed. 
I'll do better next time. He crumples the painting and tosses it into a nearby trash can filled to the brim with other similar crumpled papers. Uh, you're both free to go. Fit as fiddles. Or at least ukuleles. He turns to leave, but then stops suddenly. Uh, your friend, Mr. Whiteside, has been asking about you. Uh, he's down the hall in room nine. I think he said... And then his head drops down and he starts snoring again. Get the nurse. Quick, let's strip all the clothes off of him before he can wake up again. Oh, yeah, or we could get the nurse. I need him to be a part of our group. Okay, I'm going to slowly kind of swing my legs over the edge of the bed and put them down onto the floor and kind of give me a minute to readjust, and then I'm going to slowly stand up and make sure I'm holding on to something so I don't, you know, immediately fall over. And then when I am confident that I can stand on my own two legs, I'm going to start walking towards the door of the room to go grab the uh, the nurse. And that is our standing podcast for today. What you don't realize is that I did that Kill Bill thing to you while you were in the hospital. And you have a set of keys that says... Why is that nurse wearing an eye patch? So, Dan, as you sort of take stock and sit up in bed, uh, you're surprised to find that there are no bandages on your stomach. You feel much better than you expected to feel. It's almost as if you've been healing a lot longer than you thought you were. So what you're saying is I now have 6,000 hit points, right? Not quite yet. Oh. It's as if you thought you had been in the hospital a week, but you've actually been here a couple weeks. It's been 30 years, Dan. (laughs) Why do you look exactly the same, Roy? <laughs> I don't age. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me an intelligence roll, Dan? Oh, we know this is going to fail. God damn it, Gabe. Look at what you've done. I needed a 50 and I rolled a 76. That's a fail. But only because Gabe jinxed it. So you're, you're kind of confused as to what the heck is going on. But you managed to get up with no problems. You're not woozy or anything. You feel pretty darn good. Now to go enter that jump rope contest. <laughs> I'm going to win the Double Dutch Trophy this year for sure. And Roy, as uh, Dan is uh, getting up out of bed, what are you doing? Just watching him, kind of laughing at his struggles, kind of poking the doctor, trying to wake him up. Just as you're about ready to poke the doctor, the nurse comes back in. She has a wheelchair, and she puts it behind him and slowly lowers him into the wheelchair, smiling at the two of you very apologetically. Wait, can you wake him up? I have a question for him. No, I'm sorry. He doesn't. uh, He's on his own timeline. Uh, Like I said, he's got a condition. But the two of you are free to leave any time. Bye. And she wheels him away. Where are my clothes at? There is a locker nearby. Okay. Louisiana's weird. Sorry to fans in Louisiana, but you know it's true. I'm going to head over to the locker and uh, pull out my clothes, and then I'm going to go get dressed because hospital gowns are not the most comfortable nor fashionable outfits around. I disagree. So yeah, you get dressed with no problem. Uh, all, all your belongings are there. You feel like the old Dan Williams. Hey. More or less. Oh. Where'd my kidney go? Oh. So, you ready to uh, go find Jack? I know you've really been looking forward to having him back, Roy, so... Can't, like, I just get hospitalized so we don't have to look for him? I mean, there's plenty of sharp things around here if you're really that intent. I'm... You want to get the hospital sued? We could make a good amount of money that way. Can that be this scenario, us suing the hospital? Self-mutilation is not okay. Come on, and I'm going to grab him and drag him out of the room and down the hallway towards room number nine. Jack, you awaken slowly to a bright white room filled with sunshine and tiled walls. Two figures stand at your bedside. Rubbing away the crust of slumber, the figures gradually resolve to become the forms of your compatriots, Roy Arroyo and Dan Williams. You're not quite sure, but it looks as though they're happy to see you. It's then you realize you're in a hospital gurney. Huh, Booberry! What the? Morning, sleepyhead. I can't believe you wake up saying Booberry. Uh, I woke up saying what? 
Glad to see they put your face back on. Bad news, they put your face on upside down. What what the hell are you talking about? I really thought that they could give you an upgrade, but I guess not. They don't work miracles here. You you don't remember the, the hillbillies in the truck who shot your face off with the shotgun at the beginning of the last chapter? Chapter? What what the hell are you talking about? When we arrived in Louisiana, you were driving the, the rental car that I had purchased. I, I remember the car. And then there was a truck that was chasing us. I don't remember no truck. There was there was a truck full of cultist hillbillies chasing us, and they, they pulled up alongside us because we hit an alligator. Hold on, let me go back. I don't remember a truck. How would I remember hillbillies if I don't remember a truck? Okay, listen. Just tell me what happened. There was a truck. Will you please tell me? There was a truck. What happened? There was a truck. Wait a minute, we're going to be here all day. The truck. Truck. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, so we were driving down to Laplace in the rental car. Oh, the place, yeah. And a truck, we tried to get away, but because our drive auto sucks, we hit an alligator. Damn it, Elon Musk. The truck pulled up alongside our car. The guy in the passenger seat leveled a shotgun at your face and then proceeded to remove it with said shotgun. Roy, give me a mirror. Give me the mirror! I'll go rip the mirror off of the wall and bring it over to him. I look at myself. They, they did a pretty good job. Just a few bit of scars here and there. Don't worry, chicks dig scars. Yeah, but you don't realize how handsome you were beforehand. Oh no, I realize. Now I have character. Hey, I've been having these weird dreams that's last entire week. What have you guys been up to? Fighting a cult of undead, trying to stop them from releasing some big dude from a rock in a wall. Something about snakes. Uh, Whoa, something about snakes? Yeah. In my dream, there was like... This huge snake, half man, half snake, and he was he was eating my sister. Which half was snake? This is important. Ironically, the upper half, the lower half, was just flapping around a bit. It was a little disturbing, more so than you would think. <laughs> a lot of baby oil. Your sister? Wow, I thought you hadn't seen her in a long time. I haven't seen her in years, but she was clear as day, a young woman. Yeah, I don't know if you'd recognize her or not. She was silently screaming for me to help her. What, what, tell me about these snake people. Well, there was um, there was a, a, a like a graveyard, you know, like dead people buried in the ground graveyard, like the monster mash type. Yes, but it was it was abandoned in the swamps, so it was overgrown with stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, on one side of the graveyard, there was a tunnel which led up to a compound, which is where the snake people were living. Okay. So we get there with the help of um, well, a friend of mine, a guy named Dr. Hubert Pretorius Loveland. He, uh, he, he helped out Charles when, when he woke up after the whole... That's another story. I'm, I'm really lost here. So go, what happened? Okay, so long story short, we ended up in a cave with the leader of the cult... He was holding a black box, and on the wall there was like a big black rock, and there was something moving inside of it. And he was going to use the box he was holding, the black box that he stole from Blaine Manor. The obsidian box. Yes. Oh. To open a portal to let this thing out. And so to stop him from doing that, I tried to shoot the box, mm-hmm. but I missed. But the bullet ricocheted off of the ground, up into a stalagmite, which dropped and landed on his hand, which was holding the box, which crushed the box, which meant he couldn't open the thing, so... So you stopped him? Yeah. You solved the mission? Well, I didn't... I mean, we... Solved is kind of a... It's 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 not the term I would use, uh... Uh, No, because I used it. Oh, yeah, okay. You on Um, something? Uh, sorry, the, the, the hospital drugs are still kind of wearing off. Uh, I love hospital drugs. 
I know, right? So do I. Why are you in here, Roy? What happened to you? Are you okay? Nah, I mean, physically, I'm okay. He forgot to tell you something because he's dumb, so I'll tell you because I'm a genius. And also because I haven't been to the hospital, so I've just been sitting around eating bass and waiting. Ooh, I love me some bass. I also like bass. So what this guy forgot to say uh, is that, you know, that dude, like Billy Ray Cyrus, I mean, Tommy Ray, that you always kind of talked about like you had a crush on him that was uh he was the leader of the cult he was the leader yeah yeah i knew that he's the one that i think took my sister i've been looking for him well yeah we might have dealt with him you you found him yeah what 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 happened did you kill him he killed bugsy i think did, did you see leah was she there? I don't remember. It was a couple of days ago. Do you have like a photo? I I I I haven't seen her before, so I don't have like a. The a photo reference. wouldn't help. She's she's an adult now. Was there any women there? Rosita. Yeah, Rosita. Rosita was. Uh, you would. She, he wouldn't know who Rosita. Who's Rosita? Uh, My best friend. Well, I just need to get signed out of this hospital. I've got I've got some place to visit. I, I want to go see my sister's grave. You hear an announcement over the loudspeakers. Paging Doctor Demir. Paging Dr. Demir, please report to lobotomy immediately. Dr. Demir, to the lobotomy. You hear running feet in the hallway, followed by the odd sound of a cat yowling, then a clattering of stainless steel. Louisiana's weird. <laughs> Almost immediately, Dr. Kirk pops his head in the door and says, Mr. Whiteside, glad to see you're up and about. I hereby discharge you from the hospital. A nurse will be around shortly to remove the catheter. Have a great day. He ducks back out, and you hear him walking swiftly away. Then there is a sudden thump of something heavy falling onto floor tile, followed by a nurse groaning, Not again. I'm going to have to ask you boys to leave while I get this catheter out. This guy just keeps discharging people without actually any... Like, it's really convenient that both of you got discharged at the same day. Right. Well, as long as it doesn't smell, it'd be fine. Yeah, discharge is okay if it's clear and milky. I noticed the lady next door was still out cold. Want to go steal her jello? I do. Sweet. So we're going to leave the room. So uh, Dan and Roy leave Jack's hospital room while a nurse passes by them and comes in and closes the door to take care of a little catheter business. And uh, while he's having that done, which will only take about 15 minutes and then he'll be up and about. Dan and Roy, do you want to do anything else? Uh, I'm going to walk up to the nurse's station. Uh, excuse me. Yes, dear. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a friend of mine who might have came in with us. His name is... Um, Loveland, Dr. Oh, yes, uh, Hubert Loveland. Yes, I got him right here. Uh, the three boys came in with Rosalitas, right? Yeah. Or Rosita, or Rosa, what was her name? Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana? Rosita. <laughs> I wake up every morning and I see your eyes. Rosita, Rosita. And that's enough of that, because we're going to get a copyright strike. No, it's a different name. If Weezer can do it, we can do it. Oh, yes, I, I, he's right here. He's up on the uh, second floor. Okay, uh... You have a room number on the second floor? Uh, let, let's say it's uh, six. <laughs> okay, I was, I was just thinking that the second floor is just one giant open space, no walls or anything. I think uh, he was being discharged today, so I think I think you he's fine to take visitors if you want. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. Roy, we're going to the second floor. All right, but if that doctor comes in again, I gotta investigate, because I feel like he has a deep, dark backstory that I want to get into, and if we leave the hospital, I'll never have a chance to again. Hubert, you awaken slowly to a bright white room filled with sunshine and tiled walls. A figure stands at your bedside. Is that Roy Arroyo or Dan Williams? Without your glasses, it's hard to tell. It leans in closer and you smell rotting vegetation. Tommy Ray sends his condolences. 
he whispers. The sunlight is eclipsed by a pillowcase that smells of bleach and antiseptic. So, Roy and Dan, you make your way up to the second floor, and after a few minutes of uh, trying to figure out which uh, direction to go, you've determined where room six is. And it looks like it's slightly ajar. Is the door a door or is the door ajar? I'm confused. <laughs> Who replaced this door with a jar? <laughs> a horse is a horse, of course, of course. So, let's go see how uh, Dr. Loveland's getting along after our fun little spelunking expedition. I'm not that interested. Too bad. I'm going to open the door and uh, walk into the room. Okay, you walk into the room. It's very nice, white, clean, sunlight streaming through the window. And you see Hubert lying on his hospital bed. His eyes are wide open, staring at the ceiling. And his mouth is filled with writhing, tiny snakes. He's sleeping. We should come back later. Oh, he's so precious when he's tired. I'm going to stand there and look at him for a moment. And without turning around, I'm going to say, Roy, go get the nurse. Can I go get the doctor? I bet she'll, I bet he'll tell him that he's free to go. Roy, go get a damn nurse. All right. I'm going to disobey orders and wander around looking for that doctor. The local New Orleans authorities chalk Hubert's death up to some sort of infestation, a freak occurrence. They refuse to listen to any theories regarding obscure cults or snake gods, and the FBI isn't willing to commit more time or resources to any investigation. In fact, they've explicitly ordered both Jack Whiteside and Roy Arroyo to return to Boston headquarters for evaluation and potential reinstatement. Before the three of you fly back, however, Jack visits Frenier Cemetery alone. He stands at the graveside of Celestine Gemma Lacoste with a sad fistful of daisies. Next to the headstone is another, that of Leah Whiteside. But he's brought no flowers for her, since he knows the grave is empty. I can't believe I wasn't here, Gemma. I'm so sorry. I promise you and Leah that I will take care of this Tommy Ray. He will be dealt with. If he's not already dead, I will find everybody associated with him and they will pay. I love you for everything that you've taught me. I appreciate you, and I will truly miss you. I'm going to put the flowers gently down onto the gravesite, stare for a couple minutes in silence, and walk back to the car. And thus was born Snake Man! Snake Man! (laughs) Never mind that baby oil! (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind the floppiness. Over the next couple months in Arkham, your physical ailments heal quickly, but your mental anguish persists. The Bureau provides a therapist for the three of you, to whom you are able to relay your fear and confusion privately. Dan, you arrive at the address given to you, a nondescript building on the grounds of Arkham Asylum, which looms on a hill about a quarter mile away. Inside, you are ushered from the reception desk into the doctor's office, which is plainly decorated. The doctor is an older man with bright, lively, ice-blue eyes. Chiseled tan features and graying dark hair slick back. He shakes your hand and indicates you should sit in a modern, leather-upholstered chair placed opposite his desk. It is surprisingly comfortable. Hello, Herr Williams. My name is Udo Kier. Ksha. It means church, my last name. Think of me as your priest, if you like. You may tell me anything. Now, I see here in the notes from the hospital that you experienced a vivid recurring dream while unconscious after the incidents down south. 
Why don't you tell me more about that? It always starts out back in the the graveyard, the the graveyard in Laplace, the the cemetery where we had to go to find the cult, and it's just me standing in a small stone circle, surrounded by rundown gravestones and plants and vines growing over everything, and I turn to look to find a way out, but every time I move, every time I twitch, the vines also move and they grow closer and closer each time trying to trying to grab me trying to drag me off into the darkness that looms just outside this circle that I'm standing in and as much as I try every time I pull out uh, a knife I pull out my gun I start shooting I start swinging no matter how hard I try eventually one of those vines grabs onto my leg or my arm and just starts dragging me slowly backwards into this giant tangled mass and then everything goes dark and then I'm back standing in the circle again. Oh, I see. So it repeats. Uh, unfortunately for me, yeah. Well, what I would like you to do, Mr. Williams, is uh, over the next few months we will be seeing each other weekly and uh, I would like to give you this journal. And if you wouldn't mind just Jot down your notes. Anything stranger happens to you? Any random thoughts or any more of these dreams? Just please jot them down and, and we will talk about them the next time. Uh, okay. All right. Well, just please remember these are all in your mind. And over time, we will take care of this. We will begin to differentiate reality from fantasy. I sure as hell hope so. Well, you have a good day and uh, thank you for uh, stopping by. No problem, Doc. Jack. This is your third visit to Dr. Udo Kirsch's office, located in a cinder block building near Arkham Asylum. Last week, he asked you to keep a journal of any unusual thoughts, dreams, or occurrences and bring them with you. You hand him the notepad, then sink into the comfortable chair across from his desk. He bends over your notes, reading quickly and muttering, Interesting. Very interesting. Finally, he stops at one particular entry. Now, this is odd. Something happened to you the other night while driving home from work? Tell me more about that. It's kind of hard to get into. It was dark. Obviously, I worked late. As I was getting ready to turn onto my street, all of a sudden, I had a flash. I don't know what it was, but it was daytime, and I was heading down a dirt road. I did not recognize trees lining both sides of the street. And in the distance, I swear I saw a girl walk across the path, the, the, the street, the road, the dirt road, in a white nightgown. As soon as I got up to the spot, I stopped, of course, trying to help. As soon as I opened the car door, I was in my driveway. Right, it's nighttime again, and, and my house is in front of me. I have no idea what's ha what happened. Yes, I see it from your notes here. You say, this figure, this, this girl, reminded you of your sister Leah? Yeah, but what she would have looked like years ago when she went missing. Oh, very interesting. Have you have you had any episodes like this before where reality has bended in some fashion? Not not while awake. I, I mean, I, I've had little things here and there, but, you know, you chalk that up to, you know, happenstance. But I have had some dreams, which you know about, I put in journal. Uh, but this was very real. I could smell the, the dust and you could, you definitely could tell that it recently rained. It was very humid. Windows were starting to fog a little bit. 
That is so much detail for a waking fantasy. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, but it feels it feels familiar. But I know I've never been in a place like that before. I, I appreciate that. So, um, Mr. Whiteside, I think we're making some very good progress here. Uh, if you could just keep entering these episodes into the journal, I think we, we can find our way out of this fantasy land. Uh, I appreciate it, Doc. It's, it's really helping just having someone to talk to. Uh, it's no problem. That's why I'm here. And that's why the Bureau pays me so much. I make a lot of money. So if you want to, I don't, I don't know, maybe get lunch or coffee sometime... No, I'm sorry. That uh, would violate the uh, doctor-patient privileges. So, oh no, no, yeah, I understand, I understand. And, and plus, I'm married, so. You know. Oh no, no, I wasn't implying. Uh, when do you think I can get back out there? Oh, it, it won't be long. I'm sure they will uh, transfer you out of uh, doing the paperwork and the filing. But uh, meantime, just work on yourself. Don't worry about work uh, per se. The the bureau will take care of itself. In the meantime, just you know, put in the commitment and uh, effort into stabilizing your mental health. That's, that sounds fantastic. I really appreciate everything you've done for me. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. That's why I'm here. So uh, you have a good day, and we will see you next week. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Roy, this is your final visit to Dr. Udo Kier, Shiz office. Located too close to Arkham Asylum for your taste. Per his instructions, you've been keeping a journal of any unusual thoughts, dreams, or occurrences. You're not used to writing so much, but you feel an alien sense of pride as you hand over your burgeoning notebook, then slouch in the comfortable chair across from his desk. He leans over your latest entries, clearly enraptured. Yes, yes, very good. His index figure follows the handwritten text very quickly, left to right, left to right. The speed with which he reads nearly makes you dizzy. Finally, he stops on the last page. Now, this is strange. Something happened to you the other night while walking alone downtown after the bars had closed? Tell me more about that. So I was walking home from my favorite bar, the Tom Petty Bar, where they play Tom Petty all the time. And I sort of noticed I was being followed. But, I mean, I'm used to that because I'm just such a famous guy and everyone loves me. So I assumed that they just wanted my autograph or something. And I, uh, I went to walk over and see what was going on. And uh, even though I had just seen him when I turned around, I, he was gone. So I was like, okay. I started walking home, keep walking, still having the feeling I'm getting followed. I start speeding up because I'm getting more nervous because, I mean... I don't like to be followed. I don't think many people do. And I uh, eventually I turn around and see that there's several people following me. I cut down an alley to try and get away, but I'm cut off by another one. They're all in trench coats and they got top hats. So their their whole faces are basically enshrined in darkness and I can't really tell who they are. And I'm cut into the alleyway and I end up just having to fight my way out and run home, lock all my doors. And just I end up waiting all night with my gun at the door preparing just in case yes that is very strange now um it says here that you've been drinking bourbon yes that could uh, play with your senses a bit uh, depending on how much you've had clearly we need to delineate reality from fantasy i think we've been making some great progress and as long as we are both able to recognize that this was probably a drunken uh, fantasy. I think we probably have done much work, but there is one little detail here in your log that interests me greatly. And you say that the figure that you first saw before the top-hatted figures in the alleyway and all of that, but the very first one, you said he looked somewhat similar to Dan Williams? Yeah, 
I mean, it might have been him, but it would have been weird if he had been going and just didn't come get me. Well, I think your mind is, you know, trying to, your drunken state, trying to find an analog in reality for what you saw. And probably perchance a passing midnight shade, perhaps a stranger, most likely not Dan Williams, but it is just simply unusual that you... You said he had the same size and shape, and and for a moment you thought he might be Dan Williams, but was gone before you could ascertain whether or not that'd be true. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I've been drinking longer than you've been alive. I think I know how to handle it, so, I mean, maybe it was that, but... Fair, fair. Well, uh, I think uh, we've been making some excellent progress here. Clearly, you have much writing uh, and, uh, you know, many uh, hobgoblins living in the back of your mind. But I would stay away from the alcohol, eat a little healthier, do a little exercise, go out and walk about a bit, maybe not at midnight or after the bars close. I believe that our sessions here are complete. Uh, I have confidence that you will go forth and uh, and be a, a strong contributor to the Bureau yet. So you have my blessing, and, and I thank you for uh, uh, spending this time with me and sharing. All right, thanks. It really seems like lately I've been catching doctors at the end of sessions with people. Well, yes, that is how I work. It's all the ends, you know. So in the meantime, uh, good luck to you, and uh, I wish you all the success in the future. Thanks, Doc. All right. Well, guess what time it is, guys? Time to pay the bills? No. (laughs) No, we already did that shit. Let's do some development, shall we? Oh, Merry Christmas. Into the photo booth. Let's start with Jack. First thing I'm going to need you to do, buddy, is roll a D100 for each skill check that you have checked. All right. And I see the very first one is dodge. So what you want to do is you want to go over that 30, but not equal it if you want to. All right. I rolled a 57. Woo! Yippee! So roll a D10, please. Six. And then go ahead and uncheck dodge and increase your dodge by six so bring up to 36 i am getting out of the way a little bit faster you have one tenth of a complete circle of dodge occult please is your next checked skill roll the d100 oh i rolled a 25 i needed to have better than a 40 oh sorry about that you must uncheck it but you may not move ahead and that's all i've got checked for you buddy that is correct because i died oh you did uh let's do uh sanity through self-help i think what we need to do is we're going to go ahead and count your guys's uh, uh sessions with dr udo kirsha as uh, self-help for this time period so go ahead and make a sanity roll mr jack and what you want to do is you want to do, if equal or under, you're going to add D6. It, I needed a 77. I rolled a 30. And it says hard. It's under. So go ahead and roll D6. Way to waste the good rolls, Brian. Way to waste the good rolls. Two. All right. So you're up to 79. 80 is as high as you could go. And we're going to recover some luck. So go ahead and roll a D100. And if you're over 27... I got a 42. Go ahead and roll D10 and add that to your luck. I got a four. And the next thing is check your credit rating. Oh, are you sure it wasn't under? I thought the other ones had to be under. And we're going to skip training. So we're all done with Jack. Uh, let's move on to Dan Williams. Yay. Climb is first. And you're trying to get over your skill. Not equal to it. I needed a 50 and I rolled a three. Uh, okay. So uncheck that, but you can't increase it. Next up is firearms. I got a 21. That is also not going to be increased, so uncheck that. This is the one time I want to be rolling really high, and it's not happening. Library use is next. I need over a 26. How hard could that be? Hey, it worked. I needed a... I, I got a 52. Nice. Go ahead and roll D10 and increase that. 
Woohoo! I get three points on the library use. That brings me to 29. Uncheck that puppy and let's do listen next. You need over a 70. Nope. I got a 60, so no bonus listen points for me. All right, and lastly, spot hidden. Just, I need a, over a 68. I need a 69 or better. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I got a 78. Holy crap. All right, roll D10 and increase that puppy. Five. Nice. Puppy. nice. Nice, 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 nice. Lots of spots. That's 73. You're going to see all those spots, but only if they're hidden. All right, let's go ahead and do gain sanity, and uh, we'll go ahead and make a sanity roll. As you normally would. I needed a 58 and I rolled a 35. That is a success. Nice. Uh, go ahead and roll D6 and you can increase your sanity by that That's much. That's five points. Alrighty. And recover luck. And you want to roll luck and get over it. I needed a 44 and I rolled an 80. So that is a good thing this D10 time. D10 and increase your lucky luck. By one. I got <laughs> one point Shit. of luck, boys. That puts me at 45. I'm still the highest in the group, though. So You have more than double me. Let's go ahead and do credit rating, please. Oh, I'm assuming I can put my hit points back up to 13 and untick the... Uh, yes, hit points are all at full, guys. Okay. Oh, I needed an over a 50, and I rolled a 42. Okay, so nothing there, and we're all done with you. Let's move on to Roy. First up, firearms. I didn't realize your arms were running. Oh, firearms. firearms. Do, 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 do. So you want over a 24? Of course. I get, like, the best roll a person can get in a regular game. I really needed that up, too. I got a 23, which usually is a success. Uncheck that. And library use. needed 69, or, or over a 69, rather. <laughs> uh, of course. I got a 49. All right. No go there. Listen, 20 over 20. There you go. I got a 32. Right. So roll a d10 and increase your listen. Eight, which is good because Royo Royo doesn't listen. Natural world. Need over 60. Oh, of course. All right, I got a seven, which is an extreme success in the normal situation. I'm going to lose every roll next game. Finally, spot hidden over a 70. I got a 26. So no go there. Let's go ahead and do sanity. So go ahead and make a sanity roll. Got a 52. Good. That's under, so you're good. Roll D6 and increase your sanity by that much. Four. And let's go ahead and recover luck. So you roll a D100, and you want over your current luck, which is 21. 76. Nice. Go ahead and roll D10 and increase your luck. Six. 27 now. And finally, credit rating. And you want to roll over your credit rating. Oh, I got a three. Uh, we're going to go ahead and skip training at this point. I don't see skip as a skill. Why would I train Actually, that? we probably could do some training if you guys like. Yeah. So essentially, let's start with Jack. What you're going to do is you're going to pick one skill. And you're going to roll a D100. And you want to get over your current skill level for a chance to increase it by 1D10. Now, you can pick a skill that you don't know, so you you learn some brand new stuff, or uh, try to increase one of your current ones. Do operate heavy machinery. You should go for drive auto. That way one of us will have a license. Damn gators all over the place. Uh, I think I'm going to do listen. You need over a 49, buddy. I got a 51. So go ahead and roll yourself D10. I got a 6. Increase it by 6. I am up to 55. Uh, How about you, Dan? In this increased action-y world, I'm going to take my own advice, and I'm going to attempt to improve my drive auto in case we get into another car chase. Over a 20. So if I don't pull a Gabe here, huh, I got a 50. D10, and increase your drive auto. By seven points. My drive auto is now a 27. And finally, Roy. All right, I'm going to go for firearms. Spend some time at the range. And I assume handgun, not shotgun? Yeah, handgun. Need over a 24. 15, awesome. Life's awesome. (laughs) 
Sorry, all your time is spent at the uh, shooting range, but unfortunately, your eyesight just isn't very good at your age, and uh, you've wasted all that time. I'm just so destined to never be good at it ever again. He never made it into the range. He kept getting stopped at the bar outside of the range. It's like, pull into the range and then just hop out of his car and walk next door to the bar. shot the phone out of that guy's hand like three times, though. It is nearly a year later since the events in Louisiana. Hubert's death remains unsolved. Rosita is still missing. There has been no whisper of any cult activity in the area. It's almost as if the whole affair has dissipated in the wind. Jack and Roy are put back on duty at the FBI, but strictly limited to paperwork. No more field investigation, at least for now. But as long as they are able to keep up with the dribble of filing and fact-checking, they are left to their own devices with plenty of time on their hands. Agent Akeley has stepped in to fill the role of still-missing assistant director Sharon Skinner. He floats through the hallways of the FBI like a ghost, barely there but almost always lurking at the periphery. Jack comes home every evening to his condo, but is taken to sleeping on the couch. He has installed extra locks on all windows and doors, but he still awakens at 2 a.m. every morning, convinced there is something slithering under the covers. Roy returns to family life like a man reborn. The sounds of his children arguing, getting into trouble, seeking out their own adventures, is like a balm to his tortured soul. He curls up next to Greta every night in a fetal position, trying not to see the slack, dead features of Bugsy staring back at him from the blackness of his brain. Dan tries to throw himself back into the detective agency, taking almost any case thrown at him, no matter the pay or unlikelihood of solving. As the weeks slip by, he distances himself from Jack and Roy, making one excuse after another. Yet, they still manage to reconvene at Blaine Manor the last Sunday of every month for a brunch of tall mimosas and Dan's famous crepes. Roy, it is the last Sunday of September. With October just around the corner, Arkham is a burst of red and gold leaves, with chill breezes rustling through the treetops like the murmurings of dead ancestors. As usual, you've beaten Jack to Blaine Manor. There's no sign of Brenda, Dan's motorcycle, but this late in the season he's probably put it away in the garage. You find the back door unlocked, as it is every brunch day, so you make your way to the gloriously screened-in patio just off the kitchen. On the table... You see a piece of paper fluttering in the autumn breeze, secured by the ceramic butter dish. Even from a few feet away, you can tell it's in Dan's handwritten scrawl. All right, well, I'll just kind of sit around, check out what food might be ready, see if I can't find Dan. Uh, You walk into the screen door porch, and uh, you don't smell anything cooking. There's no noise coming from Blaine Manor. I do appreciate the screen door porch, though. All right, I'll go inside. Okay, you're inside. The house is eerily quiet. Dan? No answer. Uh, He wants to play hide-and-go-seek, huh? I'll start looking through all the closets. I'm in the sex dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) I dropped the key to the cuffs. (laughs) So you do a cursory glance around the the house, and uh, clearly no one's home. He's probably in his sock drawer. Maybe the handwritten note underneath the ceramic butter dish might provide a better clue. I don't know about that. The doctor said to stay away from cholesterol, so come on. The butter is dangerous. <laughs> he pulls his gun out. Roll for butter. I failed all of my rolls, so I'm not exactly in a position to say I'm a good detective. 
All right, fine. I'll bite. I'll go read the note. Well, uh, unfortunately, because you've uh, been puttering around the uh, state, uh, Jack has actually shown up and is holding the note. And he's reading the note, which says... Hi, Roy. If I know you well enough, and after all this time and all we've been through, I'm pretty sure I do. You've let yourself into Blaine Manor in the hope that I was making crepes for brunch this fine Sunday morning. Well, you're half right. You'll find some leftover crepes in the fridge. Just warm them up in the stove at 300 degrees for about 15 minutes. Wait for the edges to get slightly brown and crispy. You know where the Nutella and whipped cream are. Help yourself. Anyway, probably about halfway through eating, you'll notice that I'm not here. I'm gone, and I won't be coming back. Ever. I quit my job, I shut down the agency, and sold just about everything I owned. Well, except for Brenda. I still need her to get around. The money I got isn't much, but it'll have to do. Uh, Don't freak out, okay? This is all good news, believe it or not. Get this. Sam isn't dead. I I spent months looking over her old books, the, the maps, the scrolls, and whatever else she left lying around... And this might sound a bit crazy, but I think she knew this was going to happen. And I think she left me instructions on how to get her back. There are things in in these books, notes she left, bookmarked sections that seemed like nothing until I put them together in the correct order. Now, it took me a while, but I remember this one time she told me about a secret code that her and Charles would use to communicate back when she was a little girl. I found uh, the key to the code he kept in the secret alcove behind his desk. And when I I applied it to what I saw, everything started to make sense. It, it just clicked. I know what I have to do to save her, and I know she's counting on me. Now, this plan involves the, um, borrowing of several artifacts protected by people who wouldn't just willingly give them up to a trio of intrepid investigators, FBI badges notwithstanding. So I think I need to take this one into my own hands. Uh, The world may never know how many times we've saved their collective asses. You and Jack need to just keep on keeping on with that mission. I can't shoulder that burden any longer. And Sam is waiting for me. Somewhere out there past the sunset. I, I, I have to save her. Uh, just a few more things to say before I leave, so s- stick with me. Roy, please, please stop trying to shoot everyone you meet who happens to annoy you. I'm not saying you can't shoot people. Just try to keep it in the holster, if you know what I'm saying. Sorry I never got to meet Greta in your 11 runs. You know, on the other hand, if they're anything like you, I kind of feel like I dodged a bullet, so maybe that's a good thing. Ah, just kidding. Screen doors for life, my friend. Uh, Tell Jack I'm sorry I didn't get to know him all that well, but he seems like a good guy. Take him out for a beer sometime. After all this crazy shit you two have been through, I wouldn't be surprised if you're best buddies for the rest of eternity. That is, of course, unless you run into another pickup truck full of cultist hillbillies. Stay out of the swamps if you know what's good for you. By the time you're reading this, I've already set out to find the first thing I need to get Sam back. Hubert was right all along. Just need to follow the bloodlines. 
Don't bother trying to track me down. I know your tricks. In the study, you'll find my cell phone smashed into smithereens. Where I'm going, I won't need phones. You'll also notice a pile of ash in the wastebasket. The last thing I want is for someone else to decipher that code. Sorry about that, but I need to do this on my own. It's my burden to bear, and I'll be the one who sees it through. I'm not saying that this is the end, but it is the last of the amazing Dan Williams. Uh, for you guys, anyway. Don't let the world burn while I'm gone, okay? Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to find my own self-worth. Uh, no man is an island, after all. Your friend, Dan Williams. Hey, Roy. I think this note's for you. Why don't you read it? I think he wants us to follow him. I, I read that in my head. I had the note in my hands. How do you know what he's talking about? All right, read it again. Okay. First, it starts with... Okay, go ahead, Matt. And uh, in the journal, I have shared Dan's letter. So you're welcome to read that anytime you want. Brush up on any potential clues in there. No, I'm sure I won't. What's a journal? All right, Roy, <laughs> you have a car, right? Uh, there's crepes. We're eating the crepes. Yeah, but after that, we're finding Dan. I think that's what he wants. I think that's what the note says. I said. think you're right. By don't, don't bother looking, I know all your tricks. I think he means this. Come get me. I need your help. I think he was kidnapped, actually. I think you're right. He was probably forced to write this. All right, well, it's settled then. We'll take care of it. All right, well, if he's gone, I'm, I'm, I'm staying at Blaine Manor. That's actually not a bad idea. I could sell my condo. There's plenty of room here. No, no, no. I am. I need two houses. Where else is going to house the screen door collection? I'm going to turn Blaine Manor into a screen door museum. And just as you say that aloud to Jack, you hear something creak behind the two of you. Watch out. Roy, there's a creak behind you. It's Sam. It's the door back into the house, and you turn to see someone standing, framed in the doorway, a slight figure with short cropped hair and elfin features. They put their hands on their hips and give you a cocksure grin. Good eye, gents. Ah, uh, don't win, she'll be alright. Ah, uh, what say we get after your dumbass mate before he destroys the world? <laughs> we might have a Buckley's chance, uh, but we can give it a go, eh? Oh, I already don't like you. Finally, Roy's my friend. I don't think Roy's anybody's friend. <laughs> he likes him more, less more, likes me more with the less of the hymns. You are now higher on the totem pole. I don't do drugs. <laughs> Tune in next time for Chapter 7, Bloodlines. And now it's time for some recommendos. Please roll D100. Uh, I hope I get a low one. God knows I'm going to get a low score. I got to find the dice roller again. Oh, yeah, bitches. I roll with that roll. Oh, I got a one. I got a one. I got an 11. I got a hundred. Brian, me, Matt, then Gabe. All right. I'm going to, my recommendo is a little sad. It's a lot happy. I got on the kick of uh, trying to find when... Star-Lord became Star-Lord in Parks and Rec. So I've been binging Parks and Rec from season one all the way up through season six. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. The show is fantastic. I didn't remember how good it was because I watched it when it initially aired. But going back and watching it, binging it, I really like the personal relationships, the back and forth. It's got uh, a lot of good in-jokes throughout the whole thing. So out-jokes as well. But I challenge everybody out there to watch Parks and Rec all the way up and see if you can see the change where you see Andy become Star-Lord. Well, my recommendation for today is going to be 
the co-op board game from 2015, Mysterium. I first saw it on Will Wheaton's tabletop. Uh, it's sort of a clue meets Dixit for two to seven players. Takes about an hour to play. Uh, one of the people plays the ghost who has been murdered in a mansion. Uh, the other players are playing psychics who try to piece together uh, the murder with clues that are provided by the ghost to discover who committed the murder, where the murder was committed, and with what weapon. All of the psychics must solve their individual clues in the time limit. Then all psychics must arrive at the same conclusion to solve the murder. It's a pretty fun party game. takes very little learning curve. It encourages a little bit of role play, but it's certainly not required. It does require some abstract thinking because it's the people who made Dixit. So there's a, a bit of intuition and interpretation in the clues. Uh, sometimes it's not a literal interpretation. Uh, and it's right around 50 bucks on Amazon, so not a terrible spend. And it's it's pretty fun. You can, you can bring in anybody at the drop of a hat. You don't need to tell them much uh, to set it up as long as you're the ghost and you can uh, let them have at it. But I also played one game here at home with someone who uh, only got to play as a psychic once, and then I handed him the reins to be a ghost, and he did perfectly fine. So learning curve on either way is not steep. So that is my recommendation, the board game Mysterium. All right, Matthew, how about you? Well, I have another game. I'm going to recommend a, a game called Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods is uh, an adventure exploration game by developer Infinite Fall. You play a, a character... Named May Borowski. She's a, a college dropout who decides to go back home. She returns to her, her, her hometown, which is a, a failing mining town called Possum Springs, uh, thinking, you know, tr trying to go back to get things back to where they were. You know, she wanted to, to relive her life at home. Uh, so she comes home and she tries to, you know, reconnect with her family and find all of her old friends but she comes home to realize that things aren't quite the same as they used to be. The people that she were friends with before, they've, they've changed, they've grown, and, and there are weird things happening around town at night. So this is a, it's a very story-heavy game, and it folds out into this really amazing tale of wanting to come home and wanting to, to relive your glory days, as it were, only to have to learn the lesson that Life moves on when you're not there. Things change. People change. And as much as you want to, you can't make things go back to the way they were. You have to learn to, to adapt and to change with them. And it's a, a really, really great heartwarming story. And it's, it, it really hits you near the end. The art style is great. It's almost like, um, like a paper cutout kind of cartoon style. So you get a really great range in color. It's a vi really vibrant game, and they use that that color to kind of help tell the story. And along with her, along with May, kind of learning, you know, that she can't make things the way they were. There's also another plot about weird things happening with the town and kids disappearing and strange people in the woods at night, which also ends up being fun. So it's it's a good game, and for twenty bucks, it's definitely worth a look. Night in the Woods, and it is available on PC, uh, Xbox, and PlayStation. All right, Gabriel, how about you? Angel of Death. I would recommend uh, Ultimate Bone Broth. <laughs> All right, so my recommender this week is a band because sometimes you gotta change it up, and also I'm running out of recommendos. Do you like Scottish people? Do you like pirates? Do you like heavy metal? Well, we got the thing for you here. 
in this commercial that isn't a commercial. This band is called Ailstorm, and they are the current preeminent Scottish pirate metal band that's out there right now. It's exactly what you think it is, because they just take songs about being a pirate and make them heavy metal songs, and then just happen to be Scottish people. They're extremely good. In fact, they've taken, like, some modern-day pop songs and, like, converted them into pirate songs and made them infinitely better, and I think those are actually some of their best songs. So that's Ailstorm. Pretty simple recommendo. Give it a look. They're actually, like, way more popular than I thought they are, at least one of their songs. Pretty much all their stuff's on YouTube, Spotify, all that good stuff. So give them a good look. I definitely will. Unfortunately, that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody has any uh, help for me to get this accent down a little better, because I always have room for improvement no matter what you try and do, uh, you can find me on Twitter at TheRealWeirdKid. And if anyone wants to offer me free sensitivity training to other accents, you can find me at LovecraftGabe. If anybody wants to just complain about what Matt's doing, you can reach me at Brian Podcast. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, until next time, roll... For Zanity. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2018. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.com.